Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture today comes from Mark's Gospel, the sixth chapter, beginning at the 30th verse. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Jesus said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading today comes from Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wanna start today by acknowledging that today was supposed to be Celebration Sunday. We thought we would have about 15 eighth graders being celebrated for their engagement in confirmation class and for naming and claiming their faith as their own. We would have had the prayer circles, we would have had gifts, we would have had cakes, the whole nine yards. It's just another thing in a long list of things that have been canceled or postponed thanks to COVID-19. But never fear we will be having a celebration at some point. When we can gather together again, we will have a big celebration. We will have the prayer circles and the gifts, and don't worry, you will get cake. What's interesting is that I knew that we wouldn't be having Celebration Sunday when I wrote this sermon, but it seems like a very apt sermon for today or for a Confirmation Sunday, or for a Baccalaureate Sunday. I guess when you get a good word, it's good for any day. Recently, my wife and I have been watching a lot of Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and even YouTube. I mean, I assume 
you guys have been doing something similar. Now, obviously, that isn't all that we're doing. We also work from home, do puzzles, go on walks, you know, everything that you already know because you've all been reading my devotionals every Friday, right? Right. One of our favorite apps is Disney+. Plus. We watch old Disney movies like Robin Hood. We watch Disney movies that neither of us have seen before for some reason, like Atlantis, The Lost Empire. But perhaps our favorite thing to watch is DuckTales, the new one. Yeah, there's a new one, and it's amazing. It frequently makes me laugh out loud, like full belly laugh. We enjoy it so much that we had to make a rule in our house that we could only watch DuckTales on Saturdays. Now that rule changed a little bit when we had to shelter in place. In the wake of that, we made the rule, we can only watch one DuckTales on non-Saturday days, and then on Saturday we are allowed to watch a maximum of two. All this to say, that recently, when we had had our allotment of DuckTales episodes for the day, we decided to watch Frozen 2. Ellen had seen it in theaters before, but I couldn't make it on that day, and so I had to wait until it was released on Disney+. If you haven't seen it, I do highly recommend you watch it, whether you have little ones or not. Now, I'm going to be spoiling a little bit of it, and so this is your warning. If you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, don't turn the stream off. We want to keep you for the rest of the sermon. But go ahead and mute me right now, and I'll give you a, a signal when it's okay to come back, something like this, so you can, you can know it's okay to come back. So go ahead and mute me. Are they gone? I think they're gone. Arguably, the main character of the movie is Elsa. And the movie sets her up on this giant quest. She's able to create ice and snow from her hands, and she doesn't know how or why she got these powers. So she's seeking someone to guide her, someone to help her, someone to lead her. And throughout the movie, she's chasing this unknown person. Now at the climax of the song Show Yourself, which is one of many catchy tunes that the film has, she realizes that this voice that she's been hearing is someone from her past, who then tells her as the music swells, show yourself, step into your power, throw yourself into something new. And then the voice says something powerful and familiar. You are the one you've been waiting for all of your life. You are the one you've been waiting for all of your life. Oh, uh, come on back, unmute. <laughs> if that phrase sounds familiar, it's probably because it's a take on something that our former president, President Barack Obama, said when he quoted Alice Walker, saying, we are the ones we've been waiting for. Also, I've put that into a sermon before, so if you remember it, it's probably not because of President Obama or Alice Walker, but it's because you remember me saying it because I'm as important as a voice as, as them. It's really hard to do this with no laughter. 
Throughout this pandemic, these words have been ringing in my head. Yes, because the songs from Frozen 2 are catchy and that particular song is one of my favorites from the movie, but it's more than that. We are the ones we've been waiting for. It seems like these days all we can do is wait. Wait for the curve to flatten, wait for the cases to drop, wait for a vaccine, wait for some kind of all clear so that we can see each other in person again. Now normally when I hear this quote, it makes me think of when we say, oh man, I wish someone would do something about insert problem here, either the environment or homelessness or hunger or the school system or corruption in politics or anything. We are all fairly good at pointing out problems and saying someone should fix that. And it's in that space that these words ring out to us. We are the ones we've been waiting for. This is why I love the abbreviated story in the first scripture today. Those of you who know the story will recognize that Jesus would go on to feed the 5,000 people with a couple of fish and some loaves. But his initial reaction, his first thought was, you guys can do this. The disciples see a problem and Jesus just says, handle it. You give them something to eat. The disciples see a problem and they want someone else to deal with it, and Jesus says, no, 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 you do it. You feed them. And the disciples have no idea how this could possibly be done. Our scripture says it would take about 200 denarii to feed that many people. Now, a denarii was a day's wage back in Jesus' time, so it would take 200 days of working and not spending anything in order to feed that many people. That seems like an impossible task. Now, the classic understanding of this story is that Jesus blessed a couple of loaves and bread, a couple of loaves of bread and some fish, and then those things multiplied to be more than enough for 5,000 people. It was through Jesus' power and multiplication skills that everyone there was able to eat. But I think this undercuts the whole point of asking the disciples to feed the crowd in the first place. A good teacher doesn't tell their students to do something that they don't know how to do. That's demeaning and belittling. A good teacher who says, you do this, is saying, you already have the tools to figure this out. You can make this happen. Use those tools. So a more progressive telling of this story, which has appeared in recent years, is that Jesus was inspired by the sharer of the loaves and the fish, whom in some of the scriptures are, is a little child. And so Jesus took the loaves and the fish and thanked God for them and shared them with the people and in so doing inspired anyone in the crowd who might have food themselves to also share with others. And when everyone shared what they had, there was more than enough for everyone. 
This second interpretation fits my point a little better, and so I'm going to run with it. In this interpretation, Jesus telling the disciples to feed the people makes much more sense to me. Jesus can see that there's already something in the community of people that can be used to help. I can only assume that his hope is that the disciples might have seen that too. But instead, the disciples are stuck in a one-track mind. Here's a problem. This is the only solution I can think of, and we can't do it, so I guess we have to leave. This is a common problem even today in mission culture or savior mentality. We sometimes as missionaries will go into communities and see issues and say, well, this is how we fix that in my community. But that doesn't always work, especially when we ignore what the community is already bringing to the table. Going in and fixing something the only way that makes sense to us not only might not work in other communities, but might be detrimental to those communities. And it definitely won't be as long-lasting as something that was born in the community and uses the strengths that already exist there. In this interpretation, all that was needed was someone to come forward and essentially say, you already have enough right here it might be hard to see, but let me help you see that you are enough. It would seem that the disciples got this message because we see in our second scripture today from Acts that they're living in a community, using what that community has, sharing everything and realizing that there is more than enough for everyone when they live that way. And yet it is here that I have to ask, what is needed in this time? Who am I waiting for? Well, a lot is needed, and I guess I'm waiting for someone to help all of the people who need help. I have to admit that I have had a hard time figuring out what to do during this pandemic how to minister to you all, how to minister to the wider community, how to minister to my youth. I couldn't see how to do much of anything except be at home with my wife, but then something happened. Other people started doing things. Now, no one that I'm about to mention has any idea that I'm about to mention them in a sermon, and so they'll probably be quite embarrassed and downplay what they've done, but that's just who they are. Michelle Holyfield started a warming center in our fellowship hall for our population experiencing homelessness. For two weeks, while the libraries and restaurants and other places were shut down, our church was a haven for people who had nowhere else to go. We provided warmth, food, and a space to be. The people who showed up provided conversation, random trivia times, and laughter. We had the space, we had the food, and we had the means, and Michelle saw a problem that we could help, and she moved into action. When churches started closing, and thus PADS sites were no longer going to be a place where our homeless community could spend the night, 
Journeys, thanks to a large, do large donation, was able to put over 100 people experiencing homelessness into hotels and motels. Our PADS coordinators, Michelle Holyfield and Amy Hempelman, have been very busy coordinating getting these people meals through their stay in the hotels and motels. Because just because they had a place to stay doesn't mean that suddenly they can afford food. A new problem arose, and they moved into action. Through my wife, I have a first-hand look at all the work that teachers are doing for their students through e-learning. Planning lessons, posting videos, going to Zoom meetings, desperately trying to keep the students engaged in learning, all while not knowing if the kids are benefiting from this or if they're able, even, engage, even able to engage with it. And so they go beyond that. They make physical paper packets. They visit kids at home and read to them on their driveway. They do teacher parades just to let the kids know that they're thinking about them and that they are loved. They saw a problem and they moved into action. There are so many people in this congregation seeing problems and instead of saying, send them away so that they can fix it, they're saying, we can do this. We are the ones we've been waiting for. They're heeding the words of Jesus when he commands us to feed the 5,000. Every week we pray to Jesus and we say, Lord, help flatten the curve. Please help doctors and nurses and frontline workers. Please help the most vulnerable during this time. And I can't help but hear Jesus' voice back to us saying, you give them something to eat. You do this. You have the power. You have the means. You can help. So when we hear about a shortage of face masks, we can sew more. When we hear about a need to stay at home to protect our older population and those with pre-existing conditions, we can socially distance. When we hear about people who have no home to shelter in, we can help house them and feed them. We are the ones we've been waiting for. When I hear all of these stories of people going above and beyond and helping those in need in so many different ways, I, like the audience seeing Jesus break apart the five loaves and the two fish, am inspired to say, how can I help? What can I give? Feeding 5,000 people is not an easy feat. It, dare I say, seems impossible. This pandemic is very similar in our lives. Doing anything about it can seem impossible. But if we move just a little bit, if we help just a little bit, we can inspire more movement, more help. And when we all do what we can do, when we all give what we can give, then suddenly there is more than enough to go around. The world needs help. The world needs hope. Our community has needs and problems that require support. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Let us feed the people. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org.
For more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.